this is what I say to pastors all the time, that it doesn't matter, there's no right or wrong in this, right? It, it's, the, the key is what do you want to do? And whatever you want to do, build a system that does what you want to do. Um, there's no like pass or fail in this. It's just like the only fail is not doing it. And so build whatever it is you want to do and whatever you want to make. You're listening to the Send Columbus podcast, a conversation for developing strategies and sharing stories as we plant churches everywhere for everyone. Your hosts are Sin City missionary Chad Grigsby and church planting catalyst Jason Phillips. Welcome back to the Sin Columbus podcast. Uh, my name is Jason Phillips. I'm the, um, I almost said Sin City missionary, which would have been a lie, but I'm the church planning catalyst for Columbus, but I'm joined by our Sin City missionary, Chad Grigsby. Hey, Chad. Hey, Jason. Yeah. And we got a great guest today, Chad. Who's our guest? Our guest is a good pal. In fact, I was trying to think how long we've known each other, Ryan. Yeah, probably like 2003. Yeah. 2004. When you were in, was it seminary that I we would- met? In yeah. America, yeah. I was in fourth grade. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> I used to do that to people. Yeah. Now it's done. To me. <laughs> now you're now you're the old guy, Ryan Johnston. Everyone, yeah, Ryan welcome, Johnston. Ryan. Yeah, it's great to be with you guys. Yeah, Ryan, you are the what for? Yeah, what is the title? Yeah, I'm the church planning leader for Kansas, Nebraska. Yeah, you're you're, you're okay. such a big deal that you are over two states. Ooh. Two states. It is. It is. Uh, or where we're at, it takes two states to kind of get it all together. So <laughs> that's awesome, man. Well, yeah. uh, we're really thankful to have you here and have you on the podcast. So we we want to know a little bit about you, your family, and uh, kind of how you got to your role at Sin uh, Network in Kansas, Nebraska. Yeah. So um, so I'm married to Debbie. We've been married uh, 20 years in November, and. Uh, we have five kids, and so we go uh, 14, 12, 8. Lord, we just pray for Ryan right four, now, <laughs> Father. Three. Oh, I'm sorry. I just heard five kids and started praying spontaneously. Yeah, so uh, really. So that pretty much is my life, is just trying to keep up with all of them. Um, but I moved, I moved into this role three years ago. I was pastoring a church in Canton, Ohio area, and... Out of that church, we had uh, were planting churches and sending out people out of our residency that we built. And um, God began to work on my heart to move back to the Midwest where I grew up, um, where there wasn't a lot of churches and just some extenuating circumstances kind of made that very real to me and um, took a role um, as church planning leader in Kansas, Nebraska to sort of do what I was doing in Ohio, start help churches start residencies and kind of get underneath planters and help them planters or, you know, just guys that had a calling on their life and help them get to where God had called them to be. And so that's what I got to do full time now is I get to help guys, uh, yeah, find their place in the kingdom. So it's pretty fun. Where are you from originally? I, didn't, I guess I didn't um, yeah, I'm from I'm from Jamaica, Iowa. <laughs> oh, so yeah, central I, Iowa, like thirty minutes from Des Moines. I had no idea. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. So we live in Omaha now. Okay. Okay. Nice. And you said you moved from Ohio to the Midwest. So is Ohio not the Midwest to you? No, not to us. <laughs> <laughs> what did you guys Ohio would be? The Midi. You're just you. You have too many people. Like it has to be less populated. <laughs> to that is true. Well, I mean, Midwest does cover like the Dakotas. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess yeah. So it's like why we split. 
from the Midwest, yeah well, Ohio, Ohio Valley is different yeah 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 so when I was in Ohio people would be like Midwest and I was in you know I was in I was basically in like Pennsylvania so like that's definitely not the Midwest no <laughs> it's true. Uh, well, it's well, good to know that. Yeah, yeah. And you, uh, so you recently did a residency builder here in Ohio, correct? Yeah. And, uh, tell us why residencies are so crucial when it comes to church planting for you. Yeah, I think, you know, I, th- I think we, I don't want to overstate this, but I do think we're in a bit of a crisis. Like we, we don't have enough ready laborers to do the work that's needed in North America. And so the, the place that's going to come from is, local churches. It's going to come from people that are sitting in seats with a call on their life and yeah, and, and someone to train them and help them get there. And, you know, for me, I think it goes way back for me. When I first was called in the ministry, I went to a pastor and said, hey, I feel this calling on my life. And, you know, the only solution was go to seminary. And so I went to Memphis, Tennessee from Nebraska to seminary. Um, and I think I would have stayed in Nebraska and I probably would have become a church planner. I would have pastored. I would have done something, but I, nobody was willing to invest in my life. And so for me, I think, I think it's crucial that, that we kind of take our rightful place in the church as the lead equippers um, when guys have a calling on their life. And not that I'm against seminary or anything like that. I've, I've done a lot of that. Um, but that's why I'm, I'm real passionate about it is I, I think we have a crisis and, and then I also think that it's just, it's always been the rightful place of the church to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. That's good. Yeah. It kind of reminded me, I don't know why I just like kind of put these two things together, but I was in student ministry and a lot of times parents would want to just send their kids to church to disciple them and raise them up, the yeah. church to raise them up. And mm-hmm. I feel like we've almost done that with seminaries a little bit where really we need to be the ones that are equipping people to plant churches. We've kind mm-hmm. of said, Hey, go to seminary, go to seminary. And really we need to be kind of, I don't know. Does that make sense? Is that an okay? Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Well, I think, I think it's something that the medical industry has figured out that you can't educate someone into being a really good surgeon alone. They have to have education, right? right? Yeah, absolutely. But then they need to do a residency where they get some hands-on experience and they're not going straight from the classroom to running their own department, surgery department. (laughs) And unfortunately that's kind of what we do, right? We take a guy straight from, and, and I mean, if he even goes to seminary and we often just throw him right out there and expect him to, to not kill people. Yeah. (laughs) Just know what to do. No, like real experience, but right. Yeah. Well, and, and I think, you know, someone that, and I had this in the first church I served at, but somebody to love me enough to be honest with me mm. and to help develop my character to be what it needs to be to do ministry for a long time. And I'm not sure a seminary, it can't do that for everybody. You know, there there were guys in, when I was in seminary that had these super close relationships with professors that were maybe like a residency in that way. But that's just not the true case for everyone. But but a pastor in a church can take you to a funeral and can talk to you about a bad conversation you had with, you know, a parent that you shouldn't have had and how to do it different next time. And that's where I think, you know, pastors, you know, can lead the way in just a whole different way. And and I was able to, you know, I've, I've been able to do that myself and see the incredible reward of it. So you, you said something just now that to me was absolute gold. And I want to just drill down into it for a minute because you said 
to build into me the character that it takes to do ministry for a long time. So just give me the one or two most important things that we need to build into character that leads to a longevity in ministry. Yeah. You know, I, I think, I think part of the, the character that we need to help build in guys is, you know, we, we call it gospel centered. Like that's a word that's almost overused, which is crazy to say, but, mm. but that my affections for Jesus drive my work for Jesus. Mm-hmm. And that's such a, it sounds so nebulous, but it, if it's in a close, close relationship, that isn't actually nebulous. Like does, is my parenting driven by my love of Jesus is my love of Jesus, you know, is my, my marriage, my, my ministry, my preaching, my, like, is my affection for Jesus driving those things. And I, I don't think you can do, I, you will, we will always lean toward performance. Um, unless someone helps us really learn how to be driven to, to serve Jesus. Um, yeah, that, 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 yeah, to be driven that my affections for Jesus will really drive my ministry and, and my life. Yeah, it sounds similar to, I mean, I think that's the, and for me, if, if I, in a, say in a residency or development at all, like if I fail at that one with a guy, I failed at everything. Mm-hmm. It reminds me a little bit about what you were just sharing with our planters from Vance that, Mm -hmm. you know, Jesus was primarily concerned with our intimacy with the father and not as much with our, our work in the ministry. Mm -hmm. Um, And that so much of what we do in our ministries flow out of our intimacy with God. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's really good. But I think a lot of times, you know, when we think residency, we think, man, I'm going to do a preaching lab and and we, we tend to lean toward, um, we, t- we, we tend to start out by leaning toward the, the, the work that we do in ministry. But, you know, like one of the things that we did unique in our residency we ran was like they had every had to read Preachers in Prayer by Ian Bounds. And we just dealt with the prayer life of a preacher before we ever preached. Mm-hmm. And I, I think like little nuanced things that it changes, it, it changes how I go about it. And so instead of learning about the art of preaching first, I learned about the, the heart of a preacher and the prayer life of a preacher. And that's where passion is going to come from. That's where, right. Like charisma, like all the, like that's where this stuff comes from. And it's not, you know, just being like a good communicator. And I, I think that's the, the difference when we aim it at the heart. So you said we're always going to lean toward doing. Mm-hmm. And then I might say, we're always going to be pulled by doing, especially yeah. planters. Planters, there's like this vortex of doing that is just sucking at their soul, right? Yeah. How do you, when when you have to build this thing before funding runs out, when you have to prepare a sermon, clean a building, you know, pr- put out fires with the children's volunteer, like, like there's just a vortex. It's just a black hole sucking you towards do, 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 do. How do you get a person to slow down long enough to be. Yeah. I mean, gosh, how do we do that? It just feels, it feels almost impossible, doesn't it? No, it does because there is so much pulling at you and that's where, 
you know, honestly, on the front end of it, that my disciplines are so strong that I don't, you know, because we, we end up playing from behind, that my disciplines aren't strong enough to stick as I, you know, as that pull comes in my life. That's the beauty of having some years of that kind of development. But, but the other is, man, brotherhood, like having people that are going to help you remember and see you because we're all going to do it. Um, I wish that wasn't true of most of my ministry of that moving toward the doing more than the being. Mm. Uh, but man, you know, we, we really need each other to, to walk with each other, to, to have a couple brothers that help me not train wreck it there. It's really good. Yeah. Really good. So maybe going a little bit back to our conversation around residency, um, 30,000 foot view, what, what does it take to start a residency uh, in a church? Yeah, well, I, I think it, it first starts with a pastor that just simply has a vision for multiplication um, and discipleship. And that, you know, all these words, multiplication, residency, I, I would just, I, I think fundamentally it's discipleship. Yeah. Um, but it's sort of discipleship at, a, at the next level. Um, and so, so I, I think part of it is a pastor just simply saying, I, I want to have a legacy of men that I send out um, that reflect, uh, yeah, that, that reflect me in some way or another. And so I think, I think a residency in its most basic form is, you know, that Clint Clifton says like this, it's one pastor giving away himself to another. Mm-hmm. And um, it's, so that's, I think that's the most basic, um, that's, that's the most basic kind of understanding of residency. But then like what actually practically has to happen to start a residency. Um, I think, I think you have to, you, you have to unearth what's in you. Um, uh, what is it that you're going to give away? What is it that you, what are the fundamental things that you want to give away to someone else? Or what are the fundamental things that you think it takes to pastor, to plant a church? And how are you going to systematically do that? Um, Because it it can happen organically, but if you don't have a plan, then nothing ever is probably really going to happen. Yeah, it's really good. So you talked about the first step for a pastor is kind of having a vision Mm-hmm. or multiplication but if you were just going to help a pastor take a take a step in it like he's interested in building residencies interested in multiplication so the vision's already there the, the passion's already there but what's the first tangible thing you're going to say you got to have this do this first yeah so most people think well like i just need somebody that's like my first step i got to find somebody and i don't i don't think that's the first step i think the first step and and so what we do say at a, a builder event is it's kind of a threefold kind of process we take a pastor through. It's the first is um, how did Jesus train? Like just start with Jesus. And if you're going to train and develop people, how is your training going to reflect the heart of Christ and the practice of Christ? And so then the second is defining what, what is in you that you want to give away? Um, you know, for me, that's, that's books um, that there's, there's things I've read that I definitely want someone else to read. Um, there's, 
you know, people in my life that have invested in me in, in certain ways. I, I want to take those good practices, kind of like a Hebrews 13, 7 here, take those good practices other leaders have given me, and I want to give those away to others. Mm. Um, there's experiences that I've had. I want to build experiences into a residency to help, to help people like, you know, for me, like international missions, other places were places where God like really rocked my world and changed how I think. And so, so I, I think, I think a pastor wants, needs to look inside of himself and look at the people that have influenced him, the experiences he's had, um, the, the responsibilities he's had and, and think through how can I build these into a residency in order that they help shape someone. And then the last thing that we talk about is it's, so all of those things are, I think, help shape an individualized residency. But then, you know, the last is your church. Like what's unique about your church? Like every church is unique and every pastor has, you know, some sort of deep convictions that has shaped what it is they do. So I, I think if you can identify who do you want, like how do you want your residency to reflect the heart of Christ? How have you been developed? What what things shaped you? How can you replicate those? And then and really think through the DNA of your church. Like those three things are are going to be the substantive things that make a residency and, and give you something that you're capable of giving away. I, I love that so much. I love that every pastor has a residency inside of them. Yeah. <laughs> like that idea where it's like, you've got, you've got all of this in you, but are you going to take that time to unearth that and put it on paper or to, in a sense, but I love that, that they've all got experiences and books they've read and things like that to help them along the way. That's, that's super, super good. Yeah. And there are other NAM resources too. Can you talk about some of the resources that we have to offer to pastors and painters who would like to start a residency? Yeah. Cause because, you know, what you just described, that would take a pastor a long time to develop, right? Right. So helping him maybe give him some tools and resources makes sense so he doesn't have to build it from scratch. Although I would love to hear after you answer that question, how how you would encourage him to build it from scratch. But I, <laughs> Well, yeah, no, I mean, I think that's great because it's funny. I, I'm, I've met with different pastors all over. I mean, we've done like over 300 of these. Uh, well, we've done, we've worked with over 300 churches helping build residencies in the last year. Wow. Um, and, you know, it's, it's funny. I, I've had one guy, like, we'll, we'll walk through our whole, like, how you build out your own. And he'll be like, I don't want to do that. Like, don't you guys just have something I can use? And I'm like, okay, yeah, you uh, can do that. And, uh, didn't see in a box. Like, <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, we do. So like at NAM, we have, yeah, um, we have Leadership Pipeline. Um, and it is a great resource. It's free. Uh, and it's about three years um, of residency from someone who's just interested. And it, it kind of walks through it like this, how to lead yourself, how to lead others, how to lead a church. And those are kind of the three-year breakdown. And it's it's incredible. Um, churches that have used it really consistently um, have seen tons of fruit come out of it. And so it's a really... and. And even on the pastor's side, he just coaches them as they go through this material. So he doesn't really have to build out a lot. It's great. Um, now, somebody like me, I just do everything the hard way. And so um, I, it's, you know, I, I want to build things and create things. And so 
sort of the residency builder event we do, it's like for people like me that like to build their own thing. Um, none of this is what I say to pastor all the time that it doesn't matter. There's no right or wrong in this, right? It, it's the, the key is what do you want to do? And whatever you want to do, build a system that does what you want to do. Um, there's no like pass or fail in this. It's just like the only fail is not doing it. Mm-hmm. And so build whatever it is you want to do and whatever you want to make. Yeah. Yeah, I had a follow-up question from, you were kind of talking about those residency builders and some of the feedback you get from pastors. What what would you say are some of the things that hold pastors and planters back from doing residencies? And what would you yeah. say to people who maybe uh, are afraid to take a step towards residency? Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, yeah, I don't have anybody, like, who would I do this with? I don't have enough money. Um, you know, if I did have somebody, I don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, um, yeah, I mean, those are like three really common ones. And like, you know, I don't have enough money. That's easy, right? Um, it, for me, it is like, like you, you don't have enough money. And nobody does. Um, nobody, nobody has enough money to hire somebody to come on and do nothing that helps you do what you do every week. That's what a resident is. <laughs> uh, it's someone who is like, it's going to come and be around and they're going to learn and grow and develop and leave. They're useless. Just like, a, it's like a teenager in your house, right? Like they, they don't, they don't do much of anything and they just eat all your food and suck the life from you and ask really dumb questions that you don't want to answer. Right. Like that's, that's how that works. Oh. Anybody that's a resident that's listening to this is like, that is a terrible picture. You <laughs> that is what uh, I do. Yeah. I feel bad about myself. <laughs> but, but I think, um, but I think that's, what's great about a residency is, man, I wish I would have had a space to figure some stuff out rather than sweating through all the mistakes I made. Anyway, that's a different topic, but, but I, I think, I think that's the beauty of, of like, when, when you launch a residency, um, yeah, you you can really you can really build something. Uh, I don't know that, that that helps guys figure it out. And so so, do you have enough money? No, um, but is it worth it? Uh, yeah, and and there's so many like for us, you have your local association, you have your state convention, you have the North American Missions Board. I don't, at this point, I don't know anyone where I live that's ever been rejected to get funding from any of those. Mm. Um, even at little amounts or a lot of amounts, um, people give to those. Uh, and so I, th- there's funding out there. And then even in your own church budget, you can make a little bit of room. And you know, where your, where your treasure is, there your heart is also, you could make a little room in that. And you'd be surprised when people have a calling on their life and they really want to learn what sacrifices they'll make to do it. And so you you don't have enough money until you try to do it and then you will. That's how I always talk about it. Really good. Really good. Very good. Well, Ryan, anything else you'd want to say uh, just from a church planning residency standpoint to our great folks here in the amazing state of Ohio that you left? Yeah, that you ditched. I do love Ohio. <laughs> what, what I would say about residency is I, I think I said it earlier, but I, what do you want to do? Mm-hmm. What, what is it that you want to do in developing others? And tell somebody else what you want to do. 
and start start letting people help you build that thing out that you want to do to reproduce laborers. And um, I said it earlier, but it is, I, I believe we, we truly live in a day that if we pray for laborers, um, God will raise them up and we are in desperate need for more and they will need somewhere to grow and develop as laborers. And so if you pray that prayer, be ready to answer it with work and um, it will be, for me, the greatest joy I have is the men and women that have come out um, from underneath Ebonize, um, discipleship, our residencies. They're the closest, deepest relationships we have in our life. And it is the most fun thing I've ever done. Wow. Well, dude, thanks so much for all this. I, I feel like this was really, really helpful. And uh, and I, I really think it's insightful uh, and could be a catalyst to help a lot of churches uh, start that first step toward residency. Yeah. Thanks, man. Great, guys. It was great being with you. It's super fun. Ditto. Thanks for checking out today's episode. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And remember, every church is a multiplying church in the making.